the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please sit. I want to seize this opportunity once again to thank Dean Markham for his generosity and uh, Dr. Robert for this invitation. I didn't know that today we actually celebrate the life of Margaret, Queen of Scots, but it's my practice during my quiet time every morning to look at the saint for the day and actually learn a couple of lessons. Uh, while doing that early this morning, I discovered that she was a very, very committed Christian. And she used her influence to get her husband to become a believer and the children. And that's a challenge for all of us. What I want to do this evening is to focus on the first part of the gospel passage that has just been read to us in the language most of us did not even understand, including myself. But thank God that we have it in the English. Now, this gospel reading is all about the mission of Christ. And I've been thinking all day about Margaret, Queen of the Scots. In this passage, we read how St. Luke gives us some detail to the nature of the mission of Jesus Christ here on earth. And of course, scholars all agree that the passage Jesus Christ read from uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 and 2. Now, from this passage, we learn that Jesus was concerned about the kingdom of God and the membership of the kingdom of God. Now, when we go back to St. Mark's Gospel, Mark introduces the mission and the ministry of Jesus in chapter 1, verse 15, in these words. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, but it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, repent and believe in the gospel. And so in verse 18 of our passage, Jesus read the following words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Well, I'm not a New Testament scholar. I'm not even a scholar at all. But St. Luke makes us to understand that the Spirit actually came 
even at the conception of Jesus. So the Spirit had actually been at work before the incarnation. And so what we read about in the Acts of the Apostles is a continuation. But this is not a New Testament class. Now this verse 18, verse 19 and 20, as those of you who are familiar uh, with development studies will remember that even in development studies, this passage is referred to as the Nazareth Manifesto. Unfortunately, there is a classic mistake in the way those in development studies interpret and use this passage. And this is what I want to do this evening because it is unfortunate that a good number of us Christians will fall into the same trap. We try to split the Nazareth Manifesto because it is very comfortable. No government, especially from the West, would include that verse 18 in their develop development activities outside their own country. I come from the developing parts of the world. And they don't want to hear anything about verse 18. They just go and work. They provide medicine, they provide food, they provide uh, potable water, but verse 18 is often not alluded to. And unfortunately, a, a, a significant part of our communion has fallen into this trap. And so we have diminishing returns. People benefit, they enjoy some of the good things we give to them but they don't become followers of Jesus Christ. That's the point I want to draw our attention to, and hopefully we will go back and follow the method of Jesus Christ so that our church will begin to grow. So, let's go back to that verse 18. Here, Jesus talks about the primary thing, which is the first part. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel evangelion, the gospel, good news. Now, what is the good news? I'm glad we have children here and young adults. When you watch your television screens, you don't hear the gospel proclaimed. All you hear about is this second part. Healing ministry, name it and claim it deliverance. There is nothing wrong with all that. But you don't hear the gospel. What exactly is the gospel? 
It's very simple. And the way I explain the gospel is very simple. That the coming of Jesus was to fulfill the prophecy made about God's intervention into his world as a result of the fall. So the coming of Jesus had been predestined. It had been prophesied and Jesus Christ came to fulfill that prophecy. Secondly, that he was actually born and that he lived and he lived in order to show us how to please God the Father. And his life was hated to the point that he was actually killed. These are parts of the gospel. And Jesus died. And I don't know if there are Muslims here. This is where we disagree. Jesus died because he was born to die. That was why he came. To pay the price for the sin we all inherit from Adam. The Quran will tell you he didn't die. That what you saw on the cross was like a mirage. In fact, the phrase used there is it seemed to them that's what we have there. But the Bible confirms that Jesus actually died. He was buried and raised. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a cardinal point of the gospel. Meaning that sacrifice is final. That sacrifice is enough. The finality of Jesus Christ. And that makes him unique. Brothers and sisters, this is what the world must hear. That is why you are here being trained or being educated in order to go out there and tell the good news. That as a result of this death and resurrection and his ascension, we are now children of God by adoption. And the final sting is in the challenge to those out there to accept this Jesus as their personal savior. Why is that important? Why is repentance important? Brothers and sisters, I believe it is important because the foundations for right relationships begin with the individual's relationship to Jesus Christ. And Paul makes this very clear in his epistle to the Colossians in chapter 3 from verse 18 to verse 24. Christ's lordship, therefore, relates to all aspects of life. So by submitting to his rule, in other words, by accepting Jesus as your personal savior and lord, our true humanity is restored. That's what we believe as Christians, and we cannot compromise that. Without accepting Jesus as your personal savior, your true humanity is not restored.
And that is why when we go out to present the gospel, we challenge people, accept this Jesus and be transformed. And when we get transformed, we are then able to treat people as made in God's image, people for whom Jesus Christ died. That's the first part of the Nazareth Manifesto. And it is missing in most of our mission activities. And this is what I say to brothers and sisters. When you do mission without proclamation, I always say, that is dumb. <laughs> and when you do proclamation without mission, I say, that is death. I want us to think seriously about this because that is not the example of Jesus. Jesus combined mission with proclamation. You know, as a young man when I was growing up, I'm not a young man now, the church had a chorus bringing this together. I'm not a good singer, so forgive me, choir master or director of music with my ugly voice, but get the message. God forgive my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said, Freely, freely, you have received. Sing it with me. Freely, freely give. Go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. That's the gospel. And that is what is missing. And I challenge all of us. Queen Margaret of, of the Scots would not have done what she did if she hadn't combined proclamation with mission. When that is done, we now reach out to the poor. And when they come, we give it to them because we have received freely. There are many people who are in captivity today in our country. You know, we're talking about gun control. Forget it. It is only the gospel. When you and I, who have experienced the liberating power of the Holy Spirit, when we go out, we can use that authority we have and help people to find Jesus. We restore sight to the blind and we lift up the downtrodden. Brothers and sisters, it is a joy to experience this liberating power of the Holy Spirit. And I challenge all of us tonight. Have you actually experienced that liberating power of the Holy Spirit? If you have, Jesus says, go and liberate those who are poor, who are blind, and who are imprisoned. Amen.